We got music out here, first class music. And we're gonna hear some more from this young lady before we close down here. And on the way up here, couldn't quite get into town. There's a young man by the name of Wiggins. And he sounds just like Sam Cooke. Somebody remember Sam. And uh, things are just getting ready here to break. But I congratulate you who have been here from the start. And uh, beginning next week, you're going to have to be a missionary. Amen. Amen. That's the Monday that won't go away. Sunday night, you want to bring everybody here in your family that does not know what that means. Now, I know you know. And this is the time that we're going to get down to some hard business. And for the next few nights that I'm in this city, that's going to be what it's like. There's a lady in this audience that came all the way from uh, North Carolina just to sit in here. Stand up, my sister. Let them see you so they know I'm not lying. Give her a hand. Thank you. She heard me preach when I was a young man down in Carolina and heard I'd be here and came all the way to Vegas. Now, if she can come all the way from North Carolina... Do I need to finish that? I'm going to do it anyhow. <laughs> what in the world are some of these lazy people doing on a night when we are out here? There shouldn't be an empty bench in this room. So what we're going to do is give you another shot at it next week to recover from the lethargy and get on in here and bring your neighbor with you. And beginning, I'm going to preach again this week, but by Sunday night, I'd like for everything in here to be full, because it's going to be red hot gospel from beginning to end. And by that time, young Wiggum will be in here from Los Angeles and we're going to have a time. We're, we're just beginning, and uh, let's keep it up. Thank you who've been faithful all along. But tell your buddies, quit going to sleep until after they've been in this meeting witnessing with me. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. <clears throat> all right, tonight I want to talk with you about happiness. Most of the folk who... Uh, think they're happy, don't know what happiness really is. And my text is Matthew chapter 12, 38. 
Then certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered and said, Master, we would see a sign of thee. But he answered, and even an adulterous generation seeketh a sign. But there shall be no sign given them but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And then skip, skip, skip down to verse 42. And the queen of the south said, Rise up, shall rise up in the judgment, and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Now, Christ is surrounded by some Pharisees. And uh, they are asking for a sign. Now, people that need a sign in the presence of Jesus are a little stupid. Well, what do you need with a sign when the real thing is in front of you? But there they were, saying, we would see a sign. Now Jesus read their minds, and this is the shocker. He read their minds. Guess what they were comparing him with in their minds? Jonah and Solomon. These Jews felt that Jonah and Solomon were the last words in humanity and manifestation. And they looked at Jesus like he was less than both of them. Now that just sets the stage. Jesus read their minds. When they said we would see a sign of thee, Jesus knew that in their heads they were already impressed with Solomon and Jonah. They were national heroes. And they were sarcastically saying to Jesus, uh, we want a sign of thee. We know that, jo that Jonah was a great man and he was of our race. We know that Solomon was a great man. But who are you? Thing, isn't it? They would bring Solomon and Joseph up, said, we knew them, but who are you? Well, bless your heart, they had sense enough not to say it out loud. And when Jesus came back at them, he told them what they were thinking. He said, Jonah 
and Solomon are the ones that you think are great. And you dare look at me and ask me, compared with them, who are you? Dumb bunnies. I wrote down here when I read this, Jesus read their minds. They were talking to him, but thinking about Jonah and Solomon as their heroes and was wondering who this is. And the creator of heaven and earth looking at him, standing in front of them. And they were so blind, they could not see. And, but they dared not say what they were thinking. When he opened his mouth, he said what they were thinking. You think Jonah was good or great. You think Solomon was great. You think I'm a nobody, huh? You see what I'm you see where I'm going now? Uh, okay. Now now to be sure, Jonah was a great man. Why the man ran the greatest evangelistic campaign in the history of the world. He went to Nineveh. I'm going to fast forward and then go backward. This man went to Nineveh with a population of 163,000 people. Preached in the streets. And the whole city got converted. So don't blame the Jews for thinking that Jonah was a great man. Coming back to him. And uh, as for Solomon, Solomon, <laughs> Solomon composed 3,000 proverbs. And 3,005 songs. Not willy-nilly songs. Songs that are in your Bible. There's a book called The Songs Come on. Songs of Solomon. So you can understand why these people you got this you can understand why these people revered Jonah walked through the streets saying I can give you his sermon yet 40 days and none of us will be destroyed some of y'all wish that we preach that short so you get home that was a whole sermon. Up and down the streets and converted a hundred and, what did I say? 63,000 people. Now, to be sure, just to digress a little bit, 
Jonah didn't, uh, didn't really want them to be saved. The truth is, Jonah didn't even want to go down to Nineveh and preach. Now we're coming. The truth is, when Jonah got the assignment from God, he went south instead of northeast. You see, he was born in a little old city called Gath Helper. Crazy name. And Gath Helper was south west of Nineveh. It was a city full of Negroes. Black city. Jonah was a Jew. He didn't want to run a meeting in Harlem. You got to understand that. The Ninevites were sons along of Ham. That's how I know what I'm talking about. Ham's inhabitants were black folks. Jonah, a Jew. He didn't want to be caught dead in the neighborhood. And when the Lord told him, go there, that brother headed southwest and wound up in a city called Joppa. I'm going to have to work with you. Take my coat, somebody. Wound up in a city called what? It was a seaport town. He bought him a ticket on a boat that was headed west toward the mouth of the Mediterranean Sea, emptying into the Atlantic Ocean. Sit up and There were no maps in those days beyond Gibraltar on the south, Spain on the north. That That ship would go north, hugging the shoreline, and getting closer to Nineveh than was Gath Helper, his hometown. But Jonah doesn't know it. The fool is asleep. Listen to me. I'm teaching. He was fast asleep, headed, because the ship had to go north and then cut left into the Mediterranean, headed for the Atlantic Ocean. And that's as far as Jonah thought the world. He is fleeing from the presence of God and is now ahead. As if you could run from God and hide. You listen? If Jonah had had his way, 
history would have read differently. Jonah discovered America. Don't you ever sleep on me. I'm teaching. (laughs) But the maps didn't show anything further west. And therefore, Jonah was headed for Spain. God had some other plans. While Jonah was headed north to the Mediterranean, in the Mediterranean, to turn left, because the boat stayed as close to land as they could when they were traveling. Jonah found himself nearer to Nineveh than he ever wanted to be, but he was fast asleep. And the Lord had some other plans for Jonah. The Bible said he prepared a great fish. Now, a great fish is a whale of a fish. Are you listening? The Lord prepared him hotel accommodations. (laughs) I hope I get through with this service, but I got to settle Jonah if I don't get the other fellow, okay? And, and, And Jonah's Fast asleep. As the boat goes north, it's getting nearer and nearer to where the Lord told the fool to go. Oh, the Lord has some other plans for him, too. Exciting plans. Before he put Jonah, my God, put Jonah back on dry land, so that he could do what the Lord told him to do to start with. Jehovah had prepared a great fish, a floating hotel that would squeeze Jonah good when he swallowed him. I didn't mean Jonah swallowed the whale. When the whale swallowed Jonah. He fixed it so that he would get a good massage. Read the story. Jonah said, the Lord caused a great storm, and the sailors threw Jonah into the sea. Let's get rid of that. And the whale was waiting there with his mouth wide open. Somebody said the Lord gave that whale latitude and longitude. Anybody in the house? So that when he out of the ship, he go right into the mouth of the floating hotel, being known as the whale, and the whale would get him to the shore. He wasn't going to take him to Nineveh. <laughs> the whale would get him to shore, and then spit him out on dry land. And it would be up to Jonah to go, just keep going. Now, the whale couldn't talk, but if he could, he would have said, Now, you just keep going. (laughs) I 
I don't know about you, boy. When I was studying this thing, I, I had a ball. You would have thought I was crazy. That's right. Read. Read. Well, pitched him out on dry land. And Jonah was, Jonah forgot all about the race of the inhabitants of Nineveh. After looking at the red gums. <laughs> Where are you, Brock? Give me your hand, boy. I, I, look, I, they must thought I was crazy at that hotel while I was working on this thing. Hey, after taking a look at the sharp teeth and the red gums of that whale, he was no longer scared of the black people. so glad to get back on terra firma, better known as on the ground. He said, Lord, which way? <laughs> and that farmer fool was now wise. And he went to Nineveh, preached a short sermon, yet Forty days, and Nineveh will be destroyed, and all 163,000 black folks got converted from the king to the farmer. Now, that's the man that these Pharisees were thinking about and thinking he was greater than Jesus. Okay, so much for that one. Now that other fellow that they were thinking about, his name was Solomon. Now these are the two that they threw into the face of the king of kings and lord of lords. How blind people can be. Now, Jesus read their minds and preached them a sermon on how to be happy. And I'm going to give you a one, two, three, four thing that the Lord told us, Hope, so that when you can walk out of here, even if you're miserable, you'll know how to shake the snake of human misery and worry. Now, they said, now, we know about Jonah and Solomon. Who are you? Unknown to them, they were talking to the everlasting father. Finish it. And the prince of peace. They were at the right fountain. Now, this is what I came to tell you. A Christian never has a reason to worry. This is what I can tell you. It's, oh, but you don't know that. My children are running wild in the streets. 
Where is not going to bring them home? Therefore, there is a panacea for worry. And that is why one of my favorite authors said, worry is sin. Now, it wouldn't be sin if God had not given us a methodology of remaining calm in the midst of a storm. Worry is not going to bring the dead back to life. Worry will not bring a drug addict's son home. Worry will not keep your daughter from getting pregnant before she gets married. One more. And worry isn't going to get you any food in the country. If you're hungry. So the question becomes, oh, wait a minute, one more. And worry is not going to bring your dumb husband home. If he's chasing another woman. Wait, I got to balance this off. And where is not going to bring a dumb bunny wife home that some nut seduced? Then the question comes if worry isn't going to help anything, you got it. Preach the rest of my sermon. Worry doesn't heal anything. But now I've got to tell you how not to worry. Standing in front of them, those dumb bunny Israelites, you know, remember the original conversation? And they're throwing up Solomon and throwing up Jonah, of all things, at Jesus. Standing in front of them was the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. So we must ask him, in the light of a worrisome situation, how can I remain cool, calm, and collected? You didn't have any business staying home tonight, baby. I got something to tell you. I'm going to tell you how to ride out a storm. Now, Jesus had just fed 5,000 people. He was tired in the flesh. 
put the disciples in a boat and said, you all go on across Galilee, I'll join you. Well, they, the Bible says he constrained them, meaning he had a hard time shaking them. You got that? But he wanted to be alone. While the disciples were in the boat, a great storm came up. And Jesus came walking on the water. Interesting. Storm. Jesus. First they thought it was a ghost. So they said, Peter said, if it is you, bid me come to you. Dumb bunny. <laughs> the Lord's commandment was, get in the boat. Peter is asking the Lord to change one of his commandments. Where are you? already said, and the law, and I change not. So Peter asked the Lord to change a commandment. It's kind of like what's going on in Las Vegas right now. There are thousands of people who believe that the Lord has changed his law. And the Lord hadn't changed the thing. What he said, he meant. And what he meant, he said. But Peter said, let me come to thee. Now, I can't read the Lord's mind, but I kind of think I know what he said. Doesn't the fool know that I told him to get in the boat? Somebody's here. Thank, thank you for coming, lady. Didn't I tell him? Get in it. He's now asking me to give him permission to get out of it. I am the Lord, and I change not. So he said, if he's fool enough to want to get out in that water, Come on. <laughs> Isn't that right, brother? You enjoying this sermon? I sure am. <laughs> if you've been over there at the motel while I was working on this thing, you'd have thought I was crazy. Every time the Lord hit me with a revelation, I'd get up and stomp. But I they wait to get action with it. When the Lord says something, do it. And Peter learned a hard lesson. Bid me come to thee. Oh, look at Now, he didn't say what I would have said. I would have said, is he nuts? 
But then the Lord decided to teach him an everlasting lesson. A lesson that he should never forget. And listen to me. A lesson that you better never forget. When the Lord says, do it, do it. And he becomes responsible for the results. Okay, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward, thank you. Fast forward. So then guess what? Lord said, and I, I can even give you the tone of voice that the Lord used. If you insist, come on. Lord, <laughs> not going to make you do right, but he'll sure help you if you're willing to do right. Amen out there. I can't finish this sermon, so I'll just wind it down. So, listen to me here. Listen. Come on. As if to say, if you're fool enough to undo what I did, undo. So Peter stepped out there. I don't know how many steps he took on the water, but it wasn't enough to count. He put one foot out there on that water, and he didn't sink. Oh. He started looking around, because the Bible says, and he saw that the seas were boisterous. Amen. He's looking around, and he said, oh, look at old me, and began to sink like a brick. It was then that he prayed the shortest prayer in the Bible. It's a good thing he did. He was sinking like a rock. So Peter knew not to pray like you pray. Oh, thou that hearest every heartfelt prayer. By that time, you rascal, you'd have been dead. Didn't have any business out of that boat to start with. Because the commandment said, stay in the boat. Fortunately for Peter, he realized that he didn't have time to pray like the elders do on Sabbath morning. Thou that inhabitest eternity. Oh, we got them. And sometimes when I'm down there, I say, well, tell the man to quit that stuff and start praying. Tim said, Lord, help me. Amen. Thou that sittest upon the throne, we know where he is. It's where we are. Sinking! Need help now? I can, I can wait to get in. I, I can wait to get in. Look, 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 folks, I got to quit. I got to quit because I want you back here. I want you back here Friday night. And so the Lord reached and saved him. What is the lesson for tonight? 
take him at his word. You don't have to run and ask to preach at. I heard that man say out there so-and-so, is that true? I say, open your Bible and see if it's true. And if it is true, come hella hawara. Don't let anything or anybody insulate you against an immediate change in behavior and he'll work with you. Nobody's so absolutely perfect that he doesn't need So you don't stay away because you're not absolutely perfect. Sometimes you have to get back in the boat. But don't be ashamed to come among us because everybody in here doesn't have to climb back in the boat. the Savior to help you, comfort, strengthen, and keep you. He is willing to aid you. And I don't care what stone is dragging you under. He can carry you through. God bless you all. Behind the church door, one more time. In my